program is brought to you by Hapakut Trust, celebrating 20 years of empowering communities. What you are informed of changes who you become. Six minutes after the hour four, you're now listening into the voice of Habakkuk Radio Program, which is brought to you by Habakkuk Trust. I did mention earlier in today's show that today we'll be discussing reopening of schools in the context of COVID-19. Today's guests include Zimbabwe Christian Alliance Director, Reverend Useni Swanda, as well as Vulindela Ndlovu, who is Habakkuk Trust Community Advocate and Vice Chairperson of an SDC at a local school. Reopening of schools in Zimbabwe has been looked at carefully by the Zimbabwean government. The Zimbabwean government is looking at how schools can be reopened as safely as possible without exposing students and staff to high levels of contracting COVID-19. Priority is ensuring that examination classes begin in the shortest possible time. And um, Primary and Secondary Minister Ambassador Kema Tema um, has said that opening of schools will be done in phases and will also be determined by the progress that has been made by the government in combating the spread of COVID-19. The ministry's plan is for schools to be opened in phases, um, five phases, starting with examination classes of 2020 um, and thereafter examination classes of 2021 um, and finally early childhood development classes A and B will be in the last phase of reopening. Universities are currently um, some universities have reopened. LSU and Great Zimbabwe Universities uh, exam class, ex- final year students started their examination started attending lectures yesterday with NAS students expected to be back in class next week. Uh, so those are the some of the issues we'll be talking about now, Lembuzo, or if you have any comments during the course of this discussion, feel free to send through your feedback or your comments to our station WhatsApp in Umbola Ziti 11 Skies Metro FM Reverend U Swanda Siawamgela M Sagazweni Siawakakulu Laming Yabonguba M Sagazweni Alessis Kat. Sizakala Ngokutela Utilis introduced Toba Laleli. May let us know who you are and the organization you represent and the work that you do. Uh, my name is Reverend Useni Swanda. I'm the director for Zimbabwe Christian Alliance. Uh, at the network, I'm a church leaders that work on issues of peace, justice, and governance issues. And we work collaboratively with Lehapakuk Trust. We've been doing a lot of work 
um, around governance issues, but even in general, we've also been doing a lot of work on COVID-19 issues. Uh, because the COVID, it's, it's a medical crisis which brought a humanitarian uh, crisis as well. So basically, as well as uh, doing psychosocial support, Reverend Our second panelist for today is Vulinje Landlovu, who is a Habakkuk Trust Community Advocate and Vice Chairperson of an SDC at a local school. Sagam Gelem Sagazweni, good afternoon. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, may you kindly introduce yourself, let us know the work that you do as well. Okay, um, my name is Wurin Zolandovu, I'm uh, Vice Chairman for SDC in the local primary uh, school here in Bulawayo. Okay. Um, uh, I do also outreach programs for Habakkuk. Um, uh, we inform the public about uh, certain things that will need to know their rights and all that, but uh, I'm happy to go on the program. Um, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us this afternoon. Um, Zimbabwe's COVID-19 cases at the moment stand at 287 confirmed cases. With this number rising on a daily basis, do you feel that the Zimbabwean government has conducted adequate COVID-19 surveillance and testing to inform the opening of schools? We'll start um, with Fulin Lela to answer that one first. Okay, and uh, in light of all this, I believe Zimbabwe uh, right now is working hard towards reaching the absolute goal of uh, incurring the spread of COVID-19 uh, with different programs that it is put in place and are ongoing. In respect of that, communities are seemingly more concerned about the testing rate of the citizenship and uh, turnaround time of the results that, are, that, that the government is giving us. And also about the fact the the issue of contact tracing of individuals that are found to be positive uh, within city limits, and also the concern of escaping from isolation centres around the country, this really pushes back the efforts of, of reduction and uh, of transmission of COVID-19 and screening by our health ministry. Um, as we have learned in the past few days, uh, the positive cases being reported, uh, the escalating on the ones that you've, you've just highlighted us now, um, are mainly returning citizens uh, that, are, that are coming from ethnic. So um, in light of all this, um, it really brings to question uh, the readiness of school to be open on my view. Reverend, your thought on um, if the Zimbabwean government has done adequate um, testing to inform the opening of schools? Um, I think the challenge we have is, uh, as you know, as you've just said, there are 287 cases at the moment. Uh, but the challenge that we have is the testing equipment is not there in uh, testing kits. Now, we are all aware that when government asked schools to, I mean, companies to open. They actually ask companies to pay for the testing. So now we are talking of commercial business. But now when we come to schools, in order for my child or your child not to be at risk, they need to know the status of the other children. Of course, they could have personal protection equipment. We could do social distancing. 
but we are all aware which school involves playing, school involves a lot of possible contacts because these are children. So therefore the only way my child can be safe is if I know that all the other children have been tested and we just don't have that capacity. But if you look at the quarantine centers right now, people are stuck in quarantine centers longer than what they are supposed to be. Why? Because they are not being tested. There is no testing equipment. So uh, the chaos that is in quarantine centers is indicative of the valley I'm testing kids asilao akwanaya. Lapa and we all know this story. Utkuwelama challenges are running around that. So we are not prepared, we don't have the equipment and uh, um it will be ill advised to open schools right now. Um, given that e-testing it is really not at the level that ideally um, would ensure that um, the country is at a better level. Ambassador Kane Matema, who's also the Minister of Primary and Secondary Education in Zimbabwe, last week when he was speaking at the launch of the Harare Metropolitan Province chapter, types of protective equipment, personal protective equipment that would be necessary for Abantwana Lamatitia to use. Do you think this will be enough, Reverend? Um, you know, as we speak now, these schools have not opened uh, personal you know, the countries that were opening they were you know mask making masks is, a, is both a commercial uh, venture but also good standards uh, the standards as we have well health organizations are striking of three layers that are needed so i don't know whether schools can be turned into commercial enterprises that can do this very quickly uh, i doubt very much would that could be feasible remember we are talking of schools in the townships, schools in rural areas. capacity to do something like that. I think they could try, but I doubt if we'll be able to meet all the needs. Also, our levels of poverty in our communities are very high. People cannot provide for a meal. That's why we are doing feeding. Uh, we have almost uh, uh, half a million people that need food, just if you're talking of Ulaya alone. So when you now talk of a mask, uh, on to, besides even a mask, even a child, it's obvious they will opt for such this child. So I think it was Abanzima. The government itself should should give schools that they should not put e-burden on schools. If they decide to open, then they must supply a child with a mask. It's an expense that most people will not be able to afford. Um, and one of the concerns that has been raised is the teacher learner ratio, as well as the fact that have very large classes 
crowded conditions and into that the government has been advised to look into to ensure that they minimize the rate of transmission. Vulin Lela, do you feel that schools, given this background, have adequate manpower or infrastructure to support a COVID-19 conducive environment? Hello? Okay, um, I think we lost Vulin Lela. They will try to get hold of him again. But Reverend, while we're trying to get hold of Vulin Lela, um, given Utama classroom, it crammed in a very small classroom. Is Golo the infrastructure to support a COVID-19 conducive environment? I think, look, COVID-19 obviously demands the restructuring and an investment into our structures that could um, allow for, you know, for maybe 15 children to a ratio of one teacher or even less, you see. But now, our classrooms are very short. Some of our schools do not even have classrooms. Kids are learning outside. So it will mean uh, we have to build, and uh, this is money that is not there. And uh, some of our primary schools, remember, they were already overcrowded. But we have a challenge. Two challenges are there. First will be an infrastructural challenge. And secondly, will be a manpower challenge. So we will need to double the number of teachers that are already there. But also it will mean maybe kids need to divide the general funder from Exxon, who's a great house, 6 o'clock number. Divide, but remember the teachers, the Ngas of Meleva Jinjwe, and also sanitizing the facilities. Once we the class, Ngas of Meleva deep cleaning and sanitization of the classroom, disinfection, and then another class comes. So that on its own is going to be a huge piece of work that needs to be done. So I don't think, to answer the question, I don't think we have facilities for that. At the moment, our schools are not adequate, and um, it will be very difficult. That is a very daunting task. There are so many factors and issues that need to be considered to ensure Utabantuana Lama teacher not put at risk. Vulin Lela, as a vice chairperson of an SDC at a local school and also the existing working relationships between SDCs and parents, do you think there could be mutual cooperation for schools to open? And uh, I believe right at the present moment they they, they, they could have been, but uh, in light of this uh, COVID nineteen, um, the economy has really taken has really taken the life out of the people, and uh, has affected a great number of parents. Uh, and this has negatively affected the relations between the work of our work and the, and, and the work and the work of the, the parents and the work of the SEC. I say this because the SEC solely runs on the funding that is paid by the schools for fee, by the school parents for fee. Um, without this money, that is the lifeblood of, of the running of the SDC. And now given the closing that has been closed for the past three months, um, SDC now is not receiving any, 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 any funds. And we, we, we've been in turn paying our ancillary staff that uh, throughout this, this whole course um, of the lockdown. Um, without an income, uh, the SDC, they, they, they can't really function and they can't really run. And uh, in asking for support from the parents at this time, most parents have, been, uh, have not been uh, getting adequate income. 
some poems uh, that we that we've been learning about in the newspapers, not only in our school, but uh, they're living from hand to mouth um, due to being laid off um, work and uh, obviously things are not going well in terms of the economy. Um, if schools are to open them in terms of phases, how then will we as uh, SPC uh, compel other grades of the school uh, to to pay the fees because um, we 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 make budgets with uh, in, uh, with all the uh, taking in light of all the people having paid the fees. If all the people are not going to pay the fees and just that scheme that is going to come, like you say, exam 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 classes only, that money is not going to be enough actually for us to rerun the school and pay our staff and pay for whatever that we need to pay for. I think all schools um, uh, in light of this COVID. Uh, all schools, SDCs, need a facility that has to be made in, in, like an emergency facility that has to be made available from the government to cushion them through this period for the sole purpose of staying afloat. Because really, some schools uh, right now, as we speak, they're, 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 they're going through tough times. They might have to lay off some ancillary stuff. Uh, it's a difficult position that we're, we're in right now, as, especially as schools. Private, private schools might seem to be a bit better off, but also the, their support structures are also being affected as much as much more with government schools, where support structures are much less, and the support structure will need to have government to support. So I believe the government needs to do more in terms of cushioning the schools directly, especially the government schools that it's got a mandate over, and uh, also the private sector can come in and help in whatever way that they can. Because everybody's going through a difficult time, and our educational sector right now is is in limbo because of that. We don't know what's going to happen in the future um, in terms of the results, in terms of the the, the psychological effects to to towards the people in this given time that they spent almost three months away from school. Um, so yeah, in light of that, we're really going blind. There's so many things that definitely need to be considered. We have a few comments and questions from our listeners, so I'll just read them and then I'll ask both you and Reverend to comment afterwards. Umlaleli uti mina ngela ugubuzu uti abantu anabe skolo aba out of the country. Sizobati ni ngabe buya izkolo zingavulwa. Omunye uti izkolo zemakaya iga kuli emati berele south yingo ziyoto considering uti abantu abanengi bangena ngendao ezingeko MT20. There's no testing kids in the country, um, particularly in my south. We can't put masks Reverend, your thoughts on these comments? Um, yes, I think what needs to be done is the policies if a student is out of the country they have to be quarantined um, and tested so that that is whether you're a student or not or whatever that has to be done on everyone. So it means if the student comes out of the country, they have another 14 days quarantined. Um, and, is, and, and as you know, the process that they will be tested almost, I think, three times before they are released. That's a process that has to be done, or a protocol that is done for these issues of COVID. Now, we have a big challenge of a porous border, especially um, if you talk of the Pipe Bridge area there, you talk of from Dare. Uh, even of lamps. People are using illegal means to cross the border. In fact, uh, this week, part of our pastors in Bight, which are actually engaging with the MPs there, with police and everyone else, to see which, how can communities help to close that border. But we know about to show So now there's a very big risk 
which people, this infection, cross infections from people who come through that. I think government has to secure the borders. And also, uh, we have a challenge then. If people have not been tested, the truth of the matter is we don't know who is positive and who is negative. But also, this challenge is not just to the students. What about the teachers? Some of them were out. to now have many people coming from South Africa. Some who have come through illegal, where people have escaped, you know, so from the quarantine centers. So now it means everyone is exposed and the Guaingos, I agree that this is, so it needs to be dealt with. But the key issue is testing. We need to have people tested and we don't have the testing equipment. The returning citizens, there's no doubt. The returning students, there's no doubt that they have to um, they have to go through some sort of quarantining and testing. Uh, and uh, it, 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 the problem that we seem to have now is that they have escapees from these quarantine centers. I think the government needs to do more in terms of securing these quarantine centers and making sure that the, 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 the people at the quarantine centers are adequately provided for, uh, as well as Navabantu Abba areas, rural schools, Amapora borders. We do have very poor borders, as my, my, my colleague now has just reiterated. Um, in this, in, to this effect, um, the government needs to do more in terms of securing those. The, the, the borders and the outlying areas and also having testing kits available uh, closer to those areas because what is happening is those people are in those rural areas and then for them to get to a testing site it's a bit of a distance so to have those testing areas or testing kits closer to them there I think it will go further in, in, in curbing the spread and, and curbing uh, all this uh, COVID-19 that we are undergoing now Given that um opening of schools might not necessarily be feasible at this time. There have been calls for e-learning and the government has announced plans to introduce radio lessons. Um, do you think that this is universally feasible, Reverend? Um, radio lessons maybe, especially now in national radio, but remember a lot of our areas uh, they are not, uh, they don't have access to radio. They are out of range. I mean, I when you drive immediately come out of Bulawayo, or you begin to strike to receive a good signal. So I think that might be a way um, that could be, you know, help, maybe 60%. But, and also remember, most of the people are offline in terms of Wi-Fi. So it could help, but the challenge we have is the radio is not penetrating all the areas that we have. Um, just Bulawayo alone, we have 228 schools. So you can show you in terms of population, that's a huge number of students. The Nemakai, you're talking of Obinga, Obanibani, Whitebridge. We are failing to penetrate in terms of some of the radio stations. So I think I'm glad that there was a digitalization process, which actually increased the number of areas that have access to Ama radio locusen, radio signals. Uh, so that's better, but uh, still we are lacking. So it could be a solution, but that's not going to be enough. We know that right now some of the kids are, are learning through WhatsApp and uh, through cooking uh, classrooms. But you know it's for the elite. Uh, they don't have, like I said, food 
let alone running water. So now we're talking to them about radio. It means we are assuming we radio in Kibo. So that radio might not even be there. Even if we frequency, but the radio because of our poverty levels. And Vulin Jela, uh, given this proposal for e-learning and introduction of radio lessons, do you think this will be universally feasible? What challenges uh, might the government need to overcome to ensure that all students benefit from this? Okay, well, well, well currently, as I said, um, university across the whole country, it will definitely be a challenge. As, uh, one, affordability of the tools or gadgets is, is far too high. Uh, only a small percentage will afford. Um, two, connectivity costs are far too expensive and unsustainable, keeping into account our parents' income barriers. Um, three, technological expertise are not yet at par uh, with other countries to roll it out and be effective at present. Although it's something that uh, can be worked on and fine tuned and will have positive results. Four, most learners. Uh, rural or communal land will be left out as technology and connectivity in most areas uh, are non-existent as my, my colleagues have highlighted now at present and only a few are knowledgeable in the operation of ICT equipment. Uh, for this to be successful long term, uh, important partnerships ha- has to be done or, or has to be made between the, the stakeholders. Uh, all the stakeholders being uh, one, uh, maybe the hardware company, gadget manufacturers, for the reduction of cost of these gadgets, um, two software companies, the application or program owners uh, or companies for zero subscription, and three, the network operators for free connectivity and, uh, for the different learning platforms or websites across the board, um, and also the Ministry of, um, of uh, Primary and Secondary Education for the guidelines and operation of in the material or tools and using digital learning uh, that is in line with the current cu- curriculum uh, and syllabus uh, for each learner because uh, I'm sure if you go into the internet now or you look for some learning tools you'll find that uh, it's, all, it, it's not categorized in uh, manner in which all students or any student in primary school level can just get in and just learn mm-hmm. um, it's kind of hard really to look for and to find the one model that is modeled uh, for the schools in Zimbabwe. And so something like that uh, the ministry needs to look into. And a basic retooling of all the teachers, parents, and learners on ICD across the board. Um, and this takes time. And it's not something that we can just do at the trick of a finger. Although in terms of planning, it's something that can be feasible and can be looked at in the future. So given the issues that you have raised, which includes the national environment, the current transmission rate, the cramped classrooms, water and sanitation facilities, transportation, safety, and, uh, safety of students and teaching staff, what do you think the government should do? What, would, what do you think would be the best way for the government to handle opening of schools? Uh, well, for, for me, I think the government... Uh, will make the best informed decisions when it undertakes the opening of the school, taking into account all the stakeholders' contributions and requests. Um, all the options should be left open, in my view. Um, it shouldn't be hurried. I think for this year to start, um, the exam classes uh, only can commence and others maybe in the new year. Although it could have negative impact, it could have a negative impact across the board on the learners' performance. 
due to the early close of the schools and uh, this uh, psychological impact that the students might have during the time that it seems to be like a holiday but it's on lockdown, um, that could have an impact on the, on the results. And that should be taken into consideration that uh, maybe we should just move all the classes to to beginning of next year and then the classes start again. Um, uh, then after the, and also after the containment and better understanding of the virus, because um, I believe that is the same taking place up to today as to how the virus is transmitted, um, uh, the incubation period of the virus and all that. We have not, as a country, um, gotten to understand how the virus spreads and the fundamentals of the virus for us to actually undertake the opening. And then it's one listener who seems to agree with your suggestion to maybe move class to next year. Mrs. Ndamule, Ute Minangashu, Luze Ganjani, Umani Sizwa, Lizama Mzamo, Zaguba Ingozi, Mumyaga Wempilo, this is war by eating, is Katis and Piliagwazi, Guama Yonki into Wakritega Yonke into, this is no one's fault. Let's respect the virus. Always call a local manini band. Where's Izimia Tulei? Laizo Ovela, Mrs. Ndamule. Reverend, maybe in conclusion, Linga Commenta, Mumamo Otugunga, Nogume Yonkinto, and also maybe going forward, um, what you think the government should do to handle Ufula? Where's God? Yes, I think I agree with you. We have to stop a lot of things. Um, you know, there's someone who said, I think it's South Africa. Lessons can always be written, but life cannot be written. So, uh, although the focus is for death that have happened so far, remember, we are now entering into winter. And it is like winter, it becomes wild. So, Asila's bedhead, uh, I'm heavily involved with uh, resuscitating and raising of excellence. It's clear we don't have resources as well as the Lipon group cannot cope. Euxilin will not be able to cope. We don't have facilities. So therefore, it's better to work on prevention, which is why even we need to encourage Avala Lelibe to bomb as everyone who's listening. Please sanitize. Please keep social distance uh, because we have to prevent. So I think Okulumen, they should think of the examination classes uh, only but lako. Are they really with World Health Organization and Ministry of Health requirements being met strictly? But also, we have to hear what the teachers' associations are saying, and I think they are concerned. The teachers are saying, let's not do it. So they are the best place people to advise, and I, my advice is government should listen to what the teachers' unions are saying. Reverend Duseni Spanda, as well as Vulinje Landlovu, thank you so much for taking time today to discuss reopening of schools in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you have been very informative and you've shed light on a number of issues that maybe some listeners were not aware of. And we trust that the government will really take um, the best route in terms of ensuring that lives will be um, safe and that no, there will be no unnecessary loss of life, even though um, life needs to continue and schools need to open. Well, thank you so much. I'd like to thank our 
That brings the end to today's discussion with Ihabakuk Trust. We're discussing reopening our schools in the context of COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the conversation does not end here. It continues. You can even um, follow Habakuk Trust on social media. Habakuk Trust on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. The handle is at Habakuk Trust. That is A-H-A-B-A-W-K-U-K Trust. You can also visit the website on www.habakuktrust.org and you can also call on 0779-617-926. Habakuk Trust is a Christian advocacy organization which seeks to promote active citizenry for community transformation. Trust.